0: again everybody welcome to another episode of the tigers baseball podcast i'm your host chris schulte it is monday october 10th 2022 happy indigenous people's day if you're in the united states if you're in canada happy thanksgiving and if you're not in north america that being canada or the united states well happy monday albeit probably a bit late uh so I wanted to get into some things um, real quick. Um, This is probably going to be a shorter podcast than normal because of the fact that, well, the Tigers are in the off-season now, and it's going to be an active off-season. Scott Harris is already making his mark. Uh, He didn't waste any time in making his mark. And we're going to get into that. Um. First of all, I, I really feel I really feel um, happy. Let's cover the last couple of weeks of the season. Our last podcast, of course, was on uh, September the twenty sixth, and uh, so I wanted to cover that a little bit. Um, Detroit went on a streak where they won eleven of their last fifteen and finished sixty six and ninety six. And you know what? I didn't look. If they could have done that a few more times during the regular season, this team would have been a, a lot in a lot better position than what they're in now. And Alavila would probably still have his job. Um. <clears throat> so, which is kind of a sad thing. I'm, I'm glad that he doesn't, but. That's neither here nor there. Um, Detroit took three in a row from Chicago. That was amazing. Uh, Detroit then took three in a row from Kansas City. Um, They took two out of three from Minnesota. So their divisional record was better this year. Um, Sadly, they were 11 games worse in the win column and that was what eventually cost Alavila his job and what also eventually cost some other people their jobs uh, in the organization, And, and we'll get to that in a minute. But considering that Detroit started 17 different starting pitchers this year, considering that Detroit's offense finished at or near the bottom in every offensive category this year, except for strikeouts, they were number one in strikeouts, in the major leagues so considering those negatives the fact that they won 11 of their last 15 is a very a very big positive that i think they'll take into the into the offseason and and build on and we can hope that they can build on it because it's aj hinch's worst season as a manager um he was as a player he was a part of the detroit team in 2003 that that um nearly lost 140 games. So he's seen it from the, from the player's point of view. And, and you know what? I'm just glad again, after about June, I figured this team was done and I was just going to, I was hoping they wouldn't be a hundred loss team. And I was glad, I'm glad for that. Um, They are sixth in draft order right now. They have a, I want to say it's a 5% chance of getting a lottery pick. Of getting the number one draft pick, um, so I'm not I'm not going to be watching the lottery with too much. Uh, even it's probably going to take place during the winter meetings. I'm not going to be paying that much attention to it. If Detroit gets the number one pick, then great. If they don't, well, they'll at least get a top six, and that's okay with me. So we'll leave it at that. Now on to the things that have happened in the off-season already. And this is as of today, uh, Monday, October 10th. There was no activity today, I would guess, that because of the federal holiday and, and all the things. Uh, Scott Harris took over uh, de- uh, as, as president of baseball operations on Thursday. So he basically had, he was looking, he was doing an evaluation of the front office from the time that he was introduced um, on the 20th of September to the time that he uh, took over on the 6th of October. And in that time frame, he decided he made some, some tough decisions and he acted on those tough decisions as soon as he could um, once he took over day-to-day operations. So he's still looking for a general manager. That general manager is going to be responsible for day-to-day running of the team and and things of that nature. And and that's, you know, that's what most presidents do. They have a general manager that handles the day-to-day operations, and as the president, they oversee the, the the more important details. So they'll be the ones who. Um, handle final contract offers and things of that nature. Detroit has gotten rid of Scott Coolbaugh, the hitting coach for the last two years under AJ Hinch. They've reassigned Ramon Santiago and Mike Hessman, well, offered them opportunities to be in uh, development in the minor leagues Um. They also have gotten rid of Scott Place, who was their director of amateur scouting. And um, they're reviewing David Chad. Um, he is right now an assistant general manager. He was um, a scouting director uh, for Detroit. They're reviewing whether or not they're going to keep him. They're also going to be reviewing later on this, this week Their medical staff and their their uh, rehabilitation staff. So let's look at what Scott Place has overseen in the past fifteen years. He came on in two thousand seven, became amateur scouting director in two thousand ten, under Dave Dombrowski. Um, last year Detroit was going into the into the regular season with one of the top five farm systems in. Major League Baseball. Now that's changed a little bit because of promotions and uh, required promotions of some of the players that they've had to to bring up Garrett Hill, um, Bo Brisky, um, you know Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson. These are guys who who you know Alex Fiedo had to come up. Um, Joey Wentz had to come up. These are guys who would have been in the farm system still and so Detroit would have had a better would have a better farm system than what they do because they've had to deplete it because of the talent that they've needed to put on the field to compete on a daily basis. And they did compete. You rarely saw a blowout when involving the Detroit Tigers. Okay, there was the 13 nothing debacle at the hands of the White Sox and there were a couple of nine and ten run uh, beatdowns, but it wasn't consistently bad. The pitching actually stood up pretty well this year. So let's look at what Scott Place has done in the last 12 years. Drafted Jackson Job in 2020. Sorry, in 2021. Um, Drafted Jace Young in 2022. And Peyton Graham in 2022, Isaac Pacheco in 2021, Ryan Kreidler, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, uh, Joey Menez was a signing was a, was a, an international signing that that, that he made. Uh, so was Gregory Soto. Uh, both of them were all stars. Um, he's also the man who's responsible for drafting Casey Mize and Alex Faedo. Garrett Hill. Carrie Carpenter and Bo Brisky. Now you're saying, why are those names important? Well, because okay, you're going to have a much better chance of hitting on a guy that you pick one one, or in Riley Gre- in Riley Green's case one five, or in Jackson Job's play- case one three, or in Jace Young's place twelfth overall. than you will with somebody who you draft in the 19th round, a la Kerry Carpenter. Or in the 26th round, a la Garrett Hill. Or in the 27th round, a la Bo Brisky. So the fact, of the, the fact of the matter is, Scott Place did not make bad draft decisions he just didn't make enough good ones if that makes any sense he didn't make bad international signings he just didn't make enough really good ones and what scott harris wants to do is he wants to create a culture where they obtain they they acquire develop and retain young talent now with all that being said does that mean that that they're not that they're not going to trade away some of their young talent? No. It doesn't. Does it mean that they're going to trade away people like Jackson Job? Probably not. Peyton Graham? Probably not. Isaac Pacheco? Probably not. Ryan Kreidler? Probably not. Cole Keith? Probably not. But it does mean that 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 there are. People, There are players who you may not necessarily see in in Detroit. Daz Cameron might end up getting traded because we've got an outfield long jam in Detroit. We've got Willie Castro, we've got Victor Reyes, we've got uh, Austin Meadows, we've got Riley Green, and we've got Akil Badu. And, oh yeah, Cody Clemens can play some outfield as well. So can Kerry Carpenter. For that matter in one of those aforementioned blowouts that Detroit was actually on the winning side a 10-3 win against Kansas City on, on, on the 20 of or sorry the 29th of of September Ryan Kreidler was playing center field so it's not out of the realms of realm of possibilities that you could see him doing some some work in the outfield A.J. Hinch loves players who can play all over the place. We didn't have a Harold Castro uh, outfield sighting this year because he was too busy running around the infield playing all the different positions in the infield and pitching in blowouts, him and Cody Clemens both. But at the end of the day, what you're going to see is more versatile talent And you're going to see a situation where Scott Harris is not afraid to pull the trigger on certain deals that might deal some players away that we don't want to see go. A lot of people don't want to see Daz Cameron go because he was part of the Justin Verlander deal. I understand that. Honestly, I feel like Jake Rogers has more upside in that deal. I feel like Jake Rogers, because he's a catcher, and he's a more I think catcher's a more premium position, uh, defensive position than an outfielder, and he seems to hit better in the major leagues than Daz Cameron does. Now, Daz Cameron has delivered a few timely home runs and a few timely hits, but Jake Rogers is going to provide you solid defense, better than solid defense. He's going to call a good game. He's going to hit 240 to 250, and you can live with that. You can live with that. Now we get to Scott Coolbaugh. It's interesting that the guys that were dismissed were named Scott. Anyway, um, first of all, I remember Scott Coolbaugh as a player. He played for, uh, for Texas for a little while. So I do remember him as a big leaguer. Um, he was in, uh, he was in Baltimore. He actually coached uh, Jonathan Scope in Baltimore. He also did some work in Texas uh, before coming to Detroit. So let's think about who Scott Coolbaugh has had to deal with. Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Nomar Mazzara. Hello. Jonathan Scope, Jamer Candelario, Miguel Cabrera, Javi Baez, the list of players who he has had, to, had to, to, to work with goes on and on and on. Let's think about who had good years in 2022. Now, we're not going to think about 2021. We're going to think about 2022. If you're hearing crickets right now, It's because, really, nobody had a good year. Miguel Cabrera had a decent year. His average was good. But his power numbers were way down. His extra base hits were way down. His RBI totals were way down because nobody was getting on ahead of him. Miguel Cabrera is going to go into the Hall of Fame because he's a lifetime 300 hitter. He's got 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. He's gonna pass Ichiro Suzuki next year for the in, in, in on the all time hits list. And that's that's amazing. That's cool. He's gonna retire as a Detroit Tiger. He's also going to be in the he's gonna play for Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic. So is Javi Baez. Great. Good stuff. And Miguel Cabrera hits has a lifetime average. Well, er, this year he hit 382 with runners in scoring position. That's amazing. He hit close to 300 this year. He had like seven home runs this year in a season where he was supposed to be more healthy and he was supposed to have a better swing. So, let's also look at Javi Baez. Javi Baez, hits, last year, hit close to 30 home runs. He hit 17 this year. Oh, well, he played in Comerica Park. That's garbage. He also played in Progressive Field. He played in Guaranteed Rate Field. He played at Target Field. He played in Texas. He played in Baltimore. He played in Boston. He played in Yankee Stadium. Comerica Park is not a homer hitter, home run hitters park. I'll give you that. But if you hit eleven homers in your home ballpark and you hit nineteen homers on the road, that's thirty homers. Javi Baez is close to a three hundred hitter. Don't tell me that Comerica Park knocked his average down. Because with all that wide open space out in the outfield, all he's got to do is hit just a little pop-up into, the, into center field, and if he hits it low enough and gets a decent trajectory on it, it's going to drop in for a base hit. He'll take a whole ton of dinkers and dunkers. He'll hit over 300. Comerica Park is a good hitter's ballpark. It's a crap home run hitter's ballpark. It doesn't mean that you don't get extra base hits. It doesn't mean that you get regular base hits. You're going to get your singles, your doubles, and your triples. You're just not going to get as many homers. Ask Jamer Candelario. He hit 40 doubles last year. A lot of them came at Comerica Park. So don't tell me that Javi Baez struggled as, a, as his average was down this year and his, his production was down from an RBI standpoint because he played at Comerica Park has nothing to do with it has absolutely nothing to do with it and you could say oh well yeah but interleague they played the west and so he and and they played colorado in detroit and they played at dodger stadium and they played at, at at um San Francisco's ballpark, I can't think of the name of it now because it's changed names 173 times. And they played at, 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 at Chase Field and, and, and they played, yeah, and they played at Kansas City too. I get you. But for every game at Kansas City, there was a game at, in Cleveland and a game in Chicago. There were games in Minnesota. There were games in Houston. There were games in Yankee Stadium. There were games in Boston. There were games in Baltimore. Baltimore is not as not as much of a homer friendly ballpark as it was as it used to be. But at the end of the day, the number of games that you play in hitters in hitter-friendly, homer-friendly ballparks kind of cancels out the Comerica Park effect. Now, Scott Harris is the guy who was was, was around when, when Javier Baez was called up from the minors. So maybe he'll be able to do something in, in in a developmental role for him or something. I don't know. I don't know if he stays with us after 2023 because he can opt out if he has a year like he had 2022 we'll want him to opt out just like we would kind of want jonathan scope to opt out because jonathan scope had a crap year this year and he had scott coolbaugh as a coach in in baltimore the bottom line is scott harris wants players that are going to dominate the strike zone on both sides of the ball So he wants pitchers that are going to throw aggressively into the strike zone. He's going to want hitters that are going to handle the strike zone and make it to their advantage. None of the guys, very few of the guys on the roster as it's currently configured, can do that. So it's going to be a very busy offseason, and it started with the hitting coach getting let go. Now there's guys that you can't get rid of. You're not going to get rid of Miguel Cabrera. He's got one more year. It's $32 million. Nobody's going to take that contract. You got Javi Baez. You got him for five years with player options starting after 2023 at $20 million a year. Nobody's going to take that contract. And I get that. Spencer Torkelson is young. We need to see what's going to happen with him. Riley Green is young. We need to see what's going to happen with him. Jamer Candelario is is a possible non-tender candidate. Jonathan Scope is in a player option. He's going to take that option next year. No ifs, ands, or buts. You can't get rid of some of those contracts. But for every Jonathan Scope, there's an Akil Badu. Or a Jamer Candelario. You know, Tucker Barnhart is a free agent. As of the first of November. Well, actually, whenever the World Series ends, which could be anywhere between now and Christmas. So he's a free agent. Do you resign him, or do you go with Jake Rogers and Eric Haas? I think there's more in Eric Haas's bat. To be fair, so there's a lot of questions. I will go through the the non tender uh, the non tender people uh, later on in a different podcast. We will be back. I don't know when, but we will be back at some point to discuss other moves that are made. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening this year I want to thank everybody for subscribing to the podcast And liking me and subscribing to the, on the YouTube channel um, Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your family And uh, we will talk to you guys later uh, If you want to get in touch with the show, you can At Podcast Tigers on Twitter Or you can get us on uh, Gmail And the email for that is tigersbaseballpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com podcast is available on all your major podcast platforms, and that's courtesy of Anchor. Or you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you do that, you'll get an alert anytime I upload new content. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you later. Until then, go Tigers.